Yeah, good morning, everybody. Here, we got a packed house here today. I'm kind of excited about that. So, um, well, I'm really excited about this this morning, and all you guys listening online, I hope that you can kind of feel my excitement here this morning. But we're starting a brand new series today. We've been in a really cool series the last couple of weeks, but today we're starting a series about Advent, and I couldn't be more excited about this or anticipated about this or because this is the season of anticipation, right? Like maybe maybe your anticipation is you'll finally get that pair of pants from Mamaw that you can actually fit in and you like. Okay, that's coming on the 25th. I'm I'm believing it for you. Okay, or maybe 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 he'll go to Jared this year. Okay, maybe he'll go to Jared this year. We have that anticipation, right? We're, we're, this is the season of anticipation, but there's a reason why we have this spirit of anticipation with us in this season because we're celebrating Advent. And see, most of us get confused with Advent because we think it's, um, we think it's something that happened in the past. I mean, Jesus came, um, he was born, um, which is awesome, okay? But that's not the only Advent. There's a second one coming. And this season that we're in is just a season where we prepare and we look forward. And yeah, we're celebrating the birth of our Savior, our Creator, our Deliverer, which is the title of our, my sermon today, Deliverer. But we're actually, what we're celebrating is the anticipation that one day Christ will return to take us home. That's what this season's about. Not necessarily about, about the birth of Jesus, which it is. Don't, if you're listening online, don't, please don't send me any emails on that one, okay? We are celebrating birth, but it's in anticipation that one day he will return again. Because he's promised us that. And we can trust the promises of God, but what the question becomes: What do we do in the meantime while we wait? Much like our Old Testament brothers and sisters waited thousands of years for the Deliverer to show up on the scene. So, what what I hope to do in this series is not only look to the past, but look to our future. Because, like I've always, I've often said, is we don't fight for victory here; we fight from victory because we are winners in Christ. Okay, so this series. Is about waiting on him to fulfill his promises and learning to trust him in our waiting. Okay, so we're going to consider how to trust God's promises as we wait for his second advent. But to what I'm going to do a little bit different today is just kind of get, I hope this gets us a little excited. Because from the very beginning, God had a plan. From the very beginning. To be connected to you forever. So when he created, when you look at the story of like Genesis, when he created, when he created the earth, he said it was good, right? When he created man, he said man was made in what? His image. And then he created woman from the man. And the man said, whoa, man. Woman, never mind. Sorry, a little preacher joke. Somebody snorted. I did like that. There it goes again. All right. But he he was like, man, God, you did good with this one. But everything was good, spotless. There was full of joy. And they were created in the image of God. Okay? This, I want you to remember that part. Created in the image of God. But in this creation, he created this tree. We created a bunch of trees, but there was this one specific tree where God said, do not eat from this tree, okay? Or you, you know, you get the story. Don't eat from this tree. Well, 
One day Adam and Eve are walking through the garden. And the serpent, devil, Satan came as, as a serpent and began to talk to Eve, which makes me think that maybe um, Chronicles of Narnia had something going. Okay, Maybe animals could really talk before the fall. Just a little side note. Okay, I'm not like saying that that's the truth. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to move on. I'm really excited. Okay. And he said this. Did God really say, much like he does to us right today, did he really say not to sleep with that person? Is that really what he said? I mean, maybe 2,000 years ago that was good, but today, really? But he said, did he really not to tell you to eat from this tree? Because, and here's the lie that we all believe, but that started with Adam and Eve. And if you want to blame Eve for sin, that's, not wrong. that's so wrong, because in the New Testament, Jesus said it's Adam's fault because he should have took care of his wife. That's another side note. Sorry. I'm all over the place today. He said, he, said, he said, no, because God knows that if you eat this fruit, you will be like him. So that's the lie that Satan told to Eve. But if you remember, it, what did it say they were created like? In the image of God. They were already like God. Spotless, perfect. But, he, but she fell for it. Both of them fell for it. And they ate this fruit. And you may ask yourself, why did God even do that? Why did God put a tree in the middle of the garden? And you're like, what does this have to do with Christmas? You'll see here in a second. Why did you put a tree in the middle of the garden? Why didn't you just leave that tree out and leave everything to be perfect now? I would have the hot bod that I wanted. You know, like the guy who rides the horse with long hair that's in front of all those covers of the books. And I would look good right now if it wasn't for that. Okay? Mom, mom's the only one that laughs. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> And here's what I think, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Is I believe that tree was put there to show that true joy is found in obedience to the Creator. True joy is found in the obedience to a Creator. And that even goes for us today. Is that only true joy, not happiness, because they're two different things. Happiness is based on things that happen in your life. And joy is set in something eternal, which is the only thing eternal it's God himself. True joy is found in obedience to him, creator. But to, but to pick up the story, so they ate this fruit, sin and darkness entered the world, and, and we're going to pick up the story, because here's the thing, here's the great thing about Adam and Eve, they walked daily with God, like in person in the garden. So they had to know at some point, God was going to roll up on the scene to have their daily conversation. So it says that they hid themselves. Well, you'll see here in a second. Genesis 3, 8 through 13. It says this. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And the Lord God called to them, Where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked, the Lord asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman. Like all of us guys try to do, blame the women. It was the woman's fault who gave me, who gave me, who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done the woman said, the serpent deceived me, she replied. 
That's why I ate it. So in this moment, Adam and Eve, for the first time, felt the weight of sin in the presence of a holy God. They felt what it was like to be naked and afraid. I just realized that's a TV show. (laughs) They realized what it was like for the first time to be naked and afraid in front of a holy God. They felt shame for the first time. They felt dirty. And not being able to do anything about how they were feeling in this presence, they decided to hide, needing a rescuer, needing a deliverer. Not realizing that the deliverer was calling out to them from the garden. We hear their excuses. God responds to to the entrance of sin and brokenness into the world. But before he curses Adam and Eve, after he hears their excuses, he does something else. Before we hear the curses of Adam and Eve, we hear the curse given to the serpent or the who deceived them. And this is what he says in verse 14. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, which is Satan, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, uh, groveling in the dust as long as you live, and I will cause hostility. And this is where, this is where things get really, really interesting. Really, really interesting. So here we are, moments after creation. Just a short period after creation, we get in a picture of a future hope. Now will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. Who's her offspring? Who's he talking about right there? That's Christ, the coming Messiah. He will strike your head, and he and you will strike his heel. You see, here we have this first picture of hope. The first biblical promise or prophecy of a coming Savior, a coming Deliverer who will deliver us from the sin that entangles us, the bondage that entangles us. Because it's Jesus who's going to crush the, thing, the things of Satan. It's what some, and this one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's called the Proto-Evangelium. Or the first gospel. Now you're scholars because you know that word, okay? I knew my schooling would come back handy somehow. Proto-evangelium, the first gospel. That one day a deliverer will come and deliver us from the free, from freedom by crushing Satan, the one who took that freedom away from us. See, our Old Testament brothers and sisters had faith in this coming Savior, this coming Messiah who would deliver them from the snares that we have found ourselves in. Our Old Testament brothers and sisters waited for a few thousand years for this first advent to happen. That the Savior of the world... So you have thousands of years of Old Testament writings, right? From now Genesis 3 all the way up to to right before the New Testament. It's a writing of saying there's someone coming who's going to save us from the tyranny in our life. Now sometimes they were confused. Sometimes they thought it was the Roman oppression or the barbarians coming in. But they knew that there was someone coming that would, that would resolve this and set us free once again. That's why last week when I read that verse about, you know, it talked about how, I don't know, maybe I read it, I was going to read it today, I don't know, but 
Ecclesiastes 3, where it talks about God's place, eternity in man's heart, we all knew that there's something better out there. That there was a deli- like there, we, there's something to be delivered from. And for thousands of years, they wrote about it. And then Jesus is born on the scene in a manger in Bethlehem. Just a little cry. And this baby would grow up to be our Savior of the world. Our Deliverer. The only person that could. And he fulfilled the prophecy in Genesis 3. Especially when 1 John 3 eight says that when the people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the when? Beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy, in some translations say crush, the works of the devil. So the very thing that they waited on thousands of years was born to them. A deliverer has come. It took Jesus to deliver this crushing blow. And why Colossians 2.15 says, In this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Like our enemy, the devil, is shamed by the cross. That was what he was trying to prevent. Which tells us that we can trust God when, we at, when we're asked to wait on Him. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. We can trust God when we are asked to wait on Him because He fulfilled His promise the first time. We have someone who came and, and delivered us from the snares of the evil one. Our Old Testament brothers and sisters knew that this curse could be removed from this grand deliverer entering the scene, and he entered the scene to deliver us from what trapped us. But for some of us, we're still kind of bound, aren't we? Even some of us believers were kind of bound by the effects of sin in the world. So we have this second advent a-coming. But what do we do in the meantime while we wait? Because if you're taking note, I want you to write this down. But this waiting for this second advent to come does not mean standing still. Because I remember, like, it, there's a story when Jesus ascended into heaven. They're all sitting there gazing in the sky, right? Like dodo birds. And two angels angels appeared to him, to them and say, "What are you doing, standing here gazing?" There's a world out here waiting because you were just commissioned to be a part of this. Like while you're waiting, your job is to share the story of Christ. That's why Matthew 28, 19 says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's action. While we wait for the second advent, our call is to, to go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because when we do that one day, when that second advent comes, when Jesus does return and take, takes us home with him, we'll get this picture that's found in Revelation 7 that says, After this I saw a great crowd, vast crowd, too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. 
And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Because we don't sit idle waiting for this second advent. We do what our Old Testament brothers and sisters do and, tilt and seek God and try, and try to seek those around us in our communities. So that one day when we're standing in heaven and Revelation 7 is true, we'll get to look at the vast crowd of people singing and worshiping God in Advent with great anticipation for the king to finally be sitting on his throne. So my question this morning is this, whether you're a believer or not a believer, what is it that you need delivered from? Because he's came and gave his life for you. To deliver you from the bondage of sin. We're still going to have to face some of the consequences of our actions. And the actions of those around us. But we can be set free this morning. See, since faithful in the first advent, that means we can trust him in our waiting. Because God said, I promise you I'm sending someone to rescue you. And he did. And then he says, it's coming again. It's coming again. Prepare yourself. So the question becomes, are you ready? Are you ready? He stands faithful in the first advent of a coming Messiah who would not only deliver the crushing blow to Satan, but deliver us from the chains of sin that bind us. And we have this season, like I said at the beginning, where, yeah, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. But what we're really celebrating in anticipation is this promise that he made. If, he, if this promise is true in Jesus' birth, we can trust that he's coming again to save us from this world. And when that day comes, we have this promise. In Revelations 21.1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. Thank God. The things that we, that we struggle with here, they're going to disappear. We're going to have new life if you're in Christ. A new beginning. We're going to have the world set up like he intended it for it to be in Genesis 1. A new heaven and a new earth. The old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was gone. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of the heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. See, all throughout history, all throughout biblical history, all throughout secular history really God has been working his way to reconnect you to his throne he put the Old Testament prophets in place to, to try to call people back to him like Jonah his whole his, like Jonah we, that we just looked at his whole purpose in Jonah going to Nineveh was to get people reconnected rebirth in them to get them reestablished under his rule or his love you have Isaiah 
prophet Isaiah, who prophesied a lot about this coming Christ, who his job was to reconnect Israel to God, to bring him them back under his wing. All throughout the Old Testament, you have these prophets, prophets that were sent by God so could, because God wanted to be in relationship, to be reconnected with the people that he once created. And then for 500 years, after the last book of the Bible, was written, the Old Testament was written, for 500 years, there was silence. Because I believe God wanted this anticipation to build up. Because, you know, Hebrews says that all this Old Testament stuff, all the Old Testament law was really given to show them that in and of themselves they can't reconnect to God. But at one day, when Jesus rose up in the scene 500 years later, a celebration happened in heaven because finally, finally, the reconnection God wanted was born. Like I said at the beginning, this, this child born would grow up to be the deliverer we all needed. Maybe not what we wanted it to look like, because they wanted someone to come in and conquer Rome, right? We're being oppressed by Roman. No, what you're oppressed by is the sin in your heart. Have you ever noticed how when he would talk to religious people, like the, he almost was like dogging them big time because they missed it. They missed it. That this wasn't a salvation of of going to being with the Father in person yet because something needed to change in here first. We needed a new way of thinking. That's why the Bible says, renew your mind and then it goes to heart because if you don't change the way you think, your heart's never going to change. But he comes and he rolls up and seeing he's, he's feeding the poor. He's letting the children come to him. He's, he's, he's doing all these amazing miracles just to prove that he is God and he is from God. And that, then he laid down his life willingly for you as a deliverer from, the, from sin. And this is the promise that we have as believers that one day we will get back to the way it was supposed to be from the beginning. Or he will be among us. That's why he, one of his names when he was born was Emmanuel, God with us. One day we will have Emmanuel again, God with us in person. Because his home will be right down the block from mine. God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. So those things that you're, that you're worried about, you don't have to worry about them anymore. The things that hurt you, that heartbreak that you have, either from things you've done or things that people have done for you, you won't even shed a tear for those things anymore because you're in the presence of of your father and the one sitting on the throne said look I am making everything new and then he said to me write this down for what I tell you 
is trustworthy and true. If we can believe the promises, our Old Testament brothers and sisters, and really we believe the promise of the first advent, we can trust that the second advent is going to be true because he is faithful. He is good. Good. And he also said, it is finished. You won't need anything else. It's completely paid for. You don't have to work any harder. Just let me, I've already done the work for you. It is finished. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God and they will be my children. One day we're going to get to spend eternity and with, with God. And eternity doesn't just mean when we die or when he comes back. Eternity is today. From this moment forward, if you're a child of God, you're, you're his forever. He'll, he'll never lose you. So your, your, your eternity doesn't have to start at the end of your life. You're going to start that eternity now. And knowing that no matter what we face in the future, because we have this second advent, this second coming of Christ, we can wait with great anticipation because no matter what happens in this world, we know the best is yet to come. No matter how bad life sucks, no matter how sick your wife gets, or the family members that you lose, or the heartbreak that you feel, we know that we can face tomorrow because we have this hope. See, that's why sometimes I hate church people. I can say this because I am one. When they say, if you were to die tonight, you know, which is a great question. If you were, you know, it's a great question, but I think it's the wrong question because most people aren't going to die tonight. If the question comes when you wake up tomorrow on Monday and you have to go to work, where's your hope going to be? Because if you're thinking's off and your heart's off which means your hope is off see my hope is in that one day everything that's wrong in this world will be made right it'll be made right all because Jesus paid it all and fulfill this first promise. I'm going to do something a little bit different than what I was originally going to do. Because I just don't want to end this today. Because what I really hope to do is that we can celebrate this a little bit this morning. And really, I, I wasn't originally going to do this, so you have to bear with us for a minute. But maybe we just need to take some time to celebrate this anticipation. So let me do this. I'm gonna start by praying, and um, everybody close close your eyes and bow their heads with me. It's, and here's what I want you to think about: What is it gonna take for you to live with anticipation? This morning.
like to live with, maybe a better way of saying this is hope. Because some of us, I really believe, live hopeless because we don't look forward to that second advent. So my prayer this morning, God, is this. That maybe for some of us who have been believers for a long time and have lost this great anticipation that we have, may you refuel our hope this morning. May we celebrate the fact that you are a God who loves us and has paid it all for us. And that one day when we stand before your throne, when we stand before your throne, we can stand there celebrating because we've waited for this moment all our lives. We've waited for this moment for all of eternity. To stand before our King, to stand before our love, to stand before our Deliverer. And it's through your death, through you paying it all, that we can celebrate with great anticipation.